Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. Well, apparently Mitra knows what I did last summer, and <laughs> I. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I always wanted that. <laughs> Well, well, I'm Mitra Jordan, Jordan and, and I normally don't, don't dress like this for work because I work as a therapist in Victoria, British Columbia, working with individuals, couples, um, and anyone who is interested in uh, changing their life in some way or coming to terms with something or the other. Preferably not the horror movie they saw when they were 13 that is still concerning them. No, no, no. Just me, I think. <laughs> Well, um, I am Raphael Bocamazzo, better known as Dr. B for long Italian name reasons. I am a psychologist. I am the clinical director over at TakeThis.org. Um, I do a lot of public speaking, and I definitely dress like this for work fairly regularly <laughs> and, because I can. Uh, I'm, I am the pretty, pretty princess of Take This, and it has been confirmed by multiple people. Uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dr. Cohort will back me up on this one. I am definitely the pretty princess. Uh, <laughs> but the um, I'm also an expert on the applied use of role-playing games in clinical and learning settings. So I, I'm happy to say I am a professional geek. Well, I think I think that you know I, I support that description and I join you in that description. I feel that anyone who who comes on air wearing you know this um, fits in with the professional geek uh, label just fine. <laughs> Gen Con was very kind to us many years ago. <laughs> So supportive. So supportive. Ooh, spooky.
Mhm. Mhm. I mean, let's let's just get the psychology. Let's just get the psych research out of the way, and that there's not much on it. I mean, there's a there's a little bit I was able to find in terms of some of the reasons people enjoy a horror genre. Um, very specifically, a lot of this looked at like horror movies, and some of the stuff I was able to find in this limited research was a craving of physical experiences. I mean, there is something exciting about that the adrenaline rush we get from that fight or flight reaction or freeze in my case. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it's there is a, a tremendous physical um, rush when it comes to that stuff, and so that's one of the cons that's one of the few consistent things I saw in the re the limited research that exists out there. Um, mm -hmm. There's some evidence that it's it's gender based, whether that's intrinsic or socialized. I don't know um, that it changes as we get older. Uh, little kids tend to be more scared of really symbolic horror, uh, whereas older folks tend to be, you know, actual horror like gore and whatnot. Um, but yeah, there. It, that there's that's the summary of the actual psych research I was able to find on this topic and it weren't much because <laughs> for some reason for some reason this is not considered a really high priority in research why we like horror movies apparently other things like you know PTSD and depression are higher priority for some reason <laughs> yeah, definitely worth, worth examining. I think there's a lot about um, the controlled experience of horror when it's something that's media driven. You know, uh, you don't like a movie, you can turn it off. If someone's telling a story, you can leave the room or get a hug from your mom or ask them to stop, you know. So there's lots of controls around experiencing horror deliberately, which of course is very different than experiencing or having a traumatic or horrifying experience in life. Right. Well, and it's it's interesting that you bring that up because if you I, I don't know if you recall this, but prior to 2013, some of the actual diagnostic criteria for post-traumatic stress disorder uh, involved a reaction of helplessness. And they took that away in 2013, that criterion away in 2013. But that used to be the thing that when you experienced a trauma based event that you reacted with intense fear or helplessness. And that was part of it. So I'm, I'm it's cool that yeah, you bring up this idea that's really interesting you know i wonder if it's just a misunderstanding of, of uh, fight flight freeze like how our uh, nervous system processes that that freeze so you know which you know we think of as a kind of helplessness but actually is a form of safety um in extreme duress it's one way to cope with something that's really difficult to process in the other way or one thing to do, it's like if you think about a cat and a mouse, you know, if the mouse is kind of cornered by the cat, it will go into freeze. And its body is literally flooded with anesthetic to cope with being eaten. You know, so when we look at it that way, it's a physiological, healthy response. 
that we, we are, are wired, wired to do. do. So, mm. which is why I like roller coasters. Right, right. There, there we go. go. Uh, you know, and, and roller coasters are great because they are scary, but it's, it's a very different kind of scary than the scary of a horror movie or a story book or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. But it is still, it does very much have that scary element to it, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's wonder. It's wonder. I, it's really funny because I'm terrified of heights. I love roller coasters. I can't explain it. I I cannot explain it. Well, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a, a shot for a second. Do you think it's oh, because oh, of the this controlled? Should, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> it's, it's a controlled, controlled experience. experience. <laughs> so, so it's, it's like, like we can encounter something that's scary while we know we're safe. safe. I mean, I don't, I don't know, know if that's, that's ringing true, true for you, but that's the yeah. first thing that comes to mind. Yeah. Well, and and so one of the so as I was going down this rabbit hole last night, viewers. Um, in trying to figure out what research exists on on this, I very quickly shifted over to thinking about what is the core of horror, or as we were calling it in the pre-production meeting, horror, horror, the core of horror. Um, horror, horror, horror. I'm just gonna turn it. I, I I'm gonna turn into Sonor Card Gauge from Homestar Runner in a moment. Just start mumbling to myself. <laughs> No probalo. <laughs> but, thank you, Matilda. But the it, loss, loss is this is is a core that exists throughout horror genre, and mm-hmm. loss of control is certainly part of it. Lo- um, and that's certainly a core of body horror as a genre. Yeah, paralysis, uh, loss of control, then of course possession. You know, that's another piece of it, to be controlled by another against one's will. And that is the one that used to most terrify me, actually. But, uh, but yeah, all forms of, or being trapped so that you can't move when something horrific is coming towards you. Um, again, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a there's a lot to, I mean, there's a lot to unpack with this, including mm-hmm. the... It it and so like I said, I, I went down this rabbit hole last night of doing research, and I came to first of all, I am now a big fan of a new YouTube series called Monstrum. Um, it's so cool. I can't Explo- wait to watch it. Like, oh, it's, it's so, so good. good. Thank you, PBS. <laughs> Yeah, an academic perspective on the usage of cryptids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you, you do, do that, that well. well. <laughs> <laughs> mhm. I, I did too. And one of the things that came through in all of this is that how horror has been used in a historical context. And mm-hmm. we've 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 talked about this in in the past in the use of play developmentally. 
and the use of stories to essentially be transmissions uh, or transmitters of cultural values. And and the use of horror is no different in that in that it it very much lays out this this is good and this is evil kind of behavior and often serves as a warning feature against engaging in cultural taboos. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- this seems to apply across cultures. Uh, now we've I've mentioned the book uh, the islands of Sina, the island of Sina Una. Uh, as just this brilliant, brilliant role-playing, uh, independent role-playing book that's come out. And uh, they did, I, I know the authors, and they did so much historical research into pre-colonial uh, mythos of the Philippines. And th- they've got an entire section on the Aswang and different types of Aswang. And Aswang come to be they are monsters of different types because they engage in cultural taboos. The message is you are a monster if you go against this cultural norm. Mm-hmm. And then, in you know, in Western European, we've got history, we've got the Grimm's fairy tales, we've got Victorian horror, all of, mm-hmm. all of these are, you know, reinforcers of what is good and right and who is on the outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's really, really interesting, interesting because, you know, I think Disney, Disney has a lot to answer for, for even though I also happen to enjoy Disney. Disney. Um, but, but the the defanging and declawing of fairy tales also takes away their meaning and their richness and their mythological power. Um, and I think we, we we kind of lose a lot in terms of our, our understanding of our history when we do that. So, Wait, did Maleficent not scare you? Because Maleficent scared me. See, I thought she was great. You know, and I'm surprised because I'm the one who's like terrified of so, like, like I, okay, okay. So, so when, when I, I was 13, 13 I, yeah, key age, you know, isn't that the age where you also sort of end up manifesting terrible paranormal abilities? Like, in terms of, in terms of, <laughs> no, but Wait, you're telling me of, Carrie wasn't a documentary? Right, this, this is what, what I'm talking about. about. So, so we're otherizing, you know, um, we're, we're, we're making, you know, uh, pubescence uh, uh, monstrous. Right, particularly in terms of what can happen to to um, female characters or people identifying female. And so, anyway, when I was thirteen, I happened to read the book, The Anecdotal Horror, and yeah, and at the time I hadn't really watched any horror. This book was lying around. Um, I didn't have a huge access to you know a lot of literature at the time. Um, because, because I was living, living in Pakistan, Pakistan. And, and so here was this book. So, so I, uh, yeah, yeah no, right? So, so I read it, the entire thing, because I could not put it down. And then when I, and then when I went to bed that night, you know, um, I was just, you know, kind of every single sound was waking up. And then, like, I remember looking over at the end of the room, and I could have sworn I saw a hooded figure, you know, except except it had glowing red eyes, you know, just like in the book, right? And so, yeah, it, uh, it took me a long time to get over that one, and I realized, yeah, this is not for me. So. <laughs> Could look, look away, away right? right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Demon Knight, yes. 
that's one of my favorite movies. That is one of my absolute favorite movies because of Billy Zane. <laughs> okay. I'm 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 going to share a story with you both. And I, I need you to keep this between the two of us, okay? Nobody else can Good know. Good luck with okay? that. Nobody else, nobody else <laughs> can know about where this, you are. Okay? <laughs> no. shh, shh. Nobody else is here. Nobody else is here. Um, and this is an interesting thing in the power of... In the power of how the... <laughs> don't... <laughs> the chat... <laughs> <laughs> so this tells us the the power of these images to stick with us even modern images okay so after my divorce when i moved out and this tells us the effect that stress can, that can have on us as well <clears throat> so i moved i moved out and i got into my new place and i was setting everything up and i was trying to fit a lot of stuff in a smaller space and I had a coat rack. I still have a hat rack slash coat rack. It's the same one I still use. And I put it in my room and it had a pea coat on it and some of my hats, in this case of one of my flat caps. And there are there are phases in sleep where hallucinatory experiences are common. As you're going to sleep, technical term, this is called hypnagogic hallucinations. If you're coming out of sleep, it's called hypnopompic hallucinations. Well, <coughs> <laughs> well, as I was kind of waking up, excuse me, I'm coughing today. <coughs> oh, <clears throat> yeah. So as I as I was waking up that morning really early, because, you know, it had been a stressful time. Slender Man was above my bed, staring down at me, oddly dressed in my clothes. Yeah. <laughs> my coat rack. With my pea coat on it and one of my hats. Slenderman was very well dressed, I might add. But Slenderman was staring down at me. I did not get back to sleep. I did not get back to sleep because I just looked up and I saw that. And these it, it's the power of these images to stick with us. My lizard brain went into that... <laughs> my lizard brain went into an internet myth is about to destroy me. Yeah. 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 But don't tell anyone, okay? Just between us three. <laughs> oh. A loss of attention? Yeah, yeah. No, that's... 
Oh, that's very Absolutely. easy for the three of us. Absolutely. All the time. But, but I, do I do think that loss is a huge part of our of, of fear. You know, and it can be loss of life, it can be loss of a loved one. Like, you know, all of this kind of goes through one's mind. Loss of your senses, loss of your capacity uh, to move right mm-hmm. there. Um, and so we are wired to survive. And when our survival is threatened, our lizard brain goes into full um, either lockdown or movement uh, or fury and we so yeah those are our choices yeah yeah, it uh, you know the, this loss is just a huge por- a huge part that runs through all of this. I mean, loss of association, loss of support, loss of life, loss of control, loss of autonomy. I mean, one of uh, Tre- Trevor, I know you and I disagree on on this particular movie in its quality. I love the slow burn character study. For those of you who have seen The Witch, the double V Witch, uh, the Vivich, yeah. Um, I mean that that whole movie is a character study in loss of community, loss of future, loss of control, mm-hmm. uh, loss of grounding, loss of anchoring. And I don't want I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it uh, because the last scene is just amazing and and let's powerful crescendo. Um, as, As you but, can probably all tell, I have not seen it and I'm not going to, so he's spoiled it for me. And, you know, I would say if you do like horror, please proceed. No, that's loss of controllers. That's Battery. the ADHD nightmare. Battery dies, what to do? No, that's... <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, Pyramid Head's coming for you, man. In case, in, in case, case our, our viewers, viewers haven't guessed, guessed I, I also don't, don't play horror games. games. We'll, we'll get <laughs> into this. We'll, we'll get into this a little bit later. later. Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. 
discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. Hey, Trevor. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Silent Trevor. Well, those who go against cultural values are generally the the monsters. They're they're the witches. They're the they're the ogres. They're the cyclops. They're the Oswang. They're the Wendigo. They're outcasts because they're a risk to the community. Essentially. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what it comes down to in simplest terms. That a lot of these stories are ways of reinforcing cultural expectations mm-hmm. and if you don't you are often literally a monster but part of but part of the challenge and the problem is is often these quote unquote monstrous features are things completely outside of our control in the, if we think about the way physical physical disabilities or mobility impairments have been depicted throughout um, throughout history. You know, we've we've even got the term freaks mm-hmm. that is you know pejoratively applied to people who are on the outside. Who we capital you know we, there's a history in American culture of capitalizing on that in the form of you know circus performances, and that has a whole a whole exploitative history right there. Um, but yeah, those who, those who are outsiders, who go, who, whose behavior, whose physical appearance are different from that, from what we value, they mm. are the monsters. And it's easy for us to, um, otherize them and turn them into outsiders if we turn them into monsters. So if you think about it, if you're cutting ties with a family member or a friend or someone you've previously been in contact with and someone you've previously seen as a part of the community, then the way to do that is to make them monstrous in some way. Right. Dehumanizing, in other words. Yeah. Yeah, it becomes it becomes much easier to be the hero in the story if if you can dehumanize people into being monsters than your actions... Um, then your actions are always on the right side of things. And you're protecting society as you understand it. Right, right. And, you know, that's that's nothing new. It's absolutely nothing new. We've seen this throughout history. In fact, um, it 
yeah, I mean, gosh, there's no no shortage of examples here. Um, witches in European, in, you know, Western European history, um, often often women who were in touch with folklore and herbalistic knowledge. Uh, that was a of knowledge in general. How dare they learn how to read? How dare they learn how to read? Stay in your place. Right. Right, it upset the political control of of the church. Um, but we see uh, there there's the there was a hypothesis that uh, the cyclop the cyclops in in uh, Greek mythology were outsiders as well. So it 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 becomes easy to make an us versus them thing. And this is in-group, out-group mentalities are something that's a part of every social group to varying degrees. We see this in different ways in gatekeeping, in 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 gaming as well. You're not our type of geek. So, yeah, that it, it these these horror stories become a way of reinforcing those cultural those cultural norms. Um, again, Grimm's fairy tales behave as children or else you know something's going to happen to you right right or you know you shouldn't love dancing or pleasure too much otherwise your shoes will um if you're looking at the red shoes um, otherwise your shoes will just dance off and control you in other words you'll be controlled by your own hedonistic pleasure and delight in something, and then it will take over, and you will mm-hmm. then not be functioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and which is certainly an interesting one, because um, women who had healing power, or who could grow things, uh, or who could um, help, uh, were not understood, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't understand how this healing potion works. So I'm going to say it's magical. You know, at its core, it's a, a way to control what you believe is uh, can't otherwise be controlled. Yeah, if you can control people's uh, narrative, if you can can control people's thought processes, if you can act as a guard against uh, outside information, that is mm-hmm. certainly one way to control social constructs. It's it's nothing new, and uh, you know I've. I, I anytime I talk about these things, I inevitably see someone. My raving oh. familiar is pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've been ignoring the familiar. My goodness. Oh. Um, <laughs> I'm a fan of ravens. I am such a fan of ravens. But the one of the one of the other interesting things about this is is the the use of horror to explore social taboos. Like one of one of my absolute favorite favorite examples is Dracula, the the original, the original Dracula book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and in and of itself, I mean, let's let's talk about re- Victorian England as a time of massive repression. <laughs> you you did not have hedonistic desires. No, those were base impulses you did not give into. And the base, God, you've got Dracula, who's basically a just symbolic sex maniac. And what yeah. happens? He becomes, he's a monster. Oh, yes, might see their ankles. <laughs> and not just a monster, but a monster who creates other monsters. Oh, yes. So it becomes like a contagion, right? Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. And so again, it's a movement then that we can't control and have to contain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it spreads. We we can't. God. I just saw that. Are you kidding me, Dylan? Oh, I love it so much. I'm also so angry about it. Oh, I'm so angry. I didn't think of that. Oh. I'm out for blood. But the... But yeah, I mean, it's a it's it, Mitra brings up this idea that horror is also contagious, that temptations against society are also contagious. Could turn, turn into a movement, movement if you don't, don't control, control it, you know. Like dancing. Could turn into a revolution. I could, mm, could, can't could have therefore that. Therefore, those um, containing and repressive forces could lose their power. We don't want that because mm -hmm. if you have mm -hmm. power. You, you want to hold on to it, it. Again, again with the, the worry about the loss, except, except on, on a dangerous scale. Hmm. And well, I, yeah. <laughs> so, they, so these are these become in the the cultural implications of horror in and of themselves become interesting. But I, 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 one of the things that always annoys me is how easily these tropes can be used in oppressive, othering ways. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. oh, okay, cool. Hey Trevor, you should you should totally bring that up. <laughs> Funny you should mention that. Funny you should mention. Well, they can be used they can be used as really easy excuses and honestly lazy writing. That uh I forget which research study looked into this, but of the villainous motivations in video games. Um, I'm I'm going to totally ask some of the f other folks that take this who are more well versed uh, in this particular research than I am. Um, Sixty nine percent of villainous motivation of the video games they surveyed: homicidal maniac. Why is he Why is he a villain? Because crazy. Uh, yeah. yeah, you don't, don't worry about, about his backstory. backstory. He's just I was a, really he's dreading identity. bringing up that statistic. <laughs> Uh, Ask no questions, just get, get to the, the killing. killing. Right. Basically, right? Do, Do your, your heroic, heroic killing, killing thing. thing. Right. None of these people are actually people. Right. Yeah. No, because they're crazy. Right, right. They're not people anymore. Right. Just, just get, get them, them all. all. Right. Now, and that's, I mean, that becomes, that becomes the danger of, like Mitra said, dehumanizing other people. That they're no longer, they're no longer individuals in unfortunate circumstances who happen to be struggling with, with something. Mm -hmm. And we, we, uh, yeah, we just, we see them 
as no longer human and it's easier to treat them terribly. Yeah, but it also plays causes. into that loss. Right. They're lost causes and we have to make sure everyone else who is still human uh, is safe. Mm-hmm. That's that's the thinking. Right. 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 We have to preserve our own humanity against these people who are really not people anymore because they're crazy. Right. 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 Or, or they're, they're aliens. aliens. Or, or they're, they're massive, massive bugs, bugs, right? I mean, right. This, is, this is a very similar um, approach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, again, again, plays into that fear of loss, of control, fear of loss of mind, fear of loss of autonomy, fear of loss of humanity. Uh, it, that loss is just a huge, huge thing without all of, throughout all this. Right. right. So, yeah, I mean, that becomes the easy danger if you if you hang character motivation simply on those tropes instead of the actual character motivation. That's part of the reason I loved the movie The Witches or The Witch so much Mm -hmm. is because it was that slow burn up to that culmination of the final scene. And you can see all the loss that the character goes through. In, the, in terms of loss of community, loss of resources, loss of family, loss of survival opportunities, uh, loss of meaning, and so forth. It is so cool to see that exploration, and then you see the culmination of the movie. Ma- makes it all worth it in my mind. Right. There is no debate. I want to let Mitra go first on this. I will get on the soapbox and not get off. Hmm. Well, you know, the tropes kind of are representative, I think, of the biases that exist um, in each culture in terms of how you're supposed to behave, right? So in each culture, that might look different. But, uh, but the horror that's going to be, I guess, most effectively presented or the mythology even some of the storytelling comes from that. So the tropes are kind of distilled versions of that, if you will. They're, um, they're standards, you know. So this is why we don't ask too many questions about the crazy person because we already know you know, you know, and I, I hate, hate that, that word crazy, but, but you, you know, know what I mean, the, the, the right. sort of monstrous uh, creature or person who's acting how they're acting. acting. We don't question because that's the trope. We all know what it's a standard for, and so we can just get on with the, uh, with the rest of the story. Um, yep. Yeah, but it is, we do know it's lazy in that it's uh, playing on our biases are prejudiced and really on other stories that have been told mm-hmm. so that's why it's it's this lazy piece there because it's really a placeholder rather than a an enriched and full narrative that we can sink ourselves into should we wish to sink ourselves into horror stories which We've already established where I stand on this. Mitra does not watch horror stories. But there's a couple that I just wish would go away. One of them is that um, any sort of gender, any sort of variation from expected gender norms means dangerous. Um, I mean, we saw that in Silence of the Lambs. Um, That uh, mental health 
mental health diagnoses means dangerous. It doesn't. Um, that sexuality beyond what is traditionally assumed it means dangerousness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That um, physical disabilities or physical differences, mobility impairments, etc. That dis right. Yeah. That uh, that that means dangerous. That it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, yeah, those are those are all. I just want to see. Uh, it just go away. Go away. We know that's not true. It just go away. Make that. And get and you know do better with your writing because there's so many other there's so many other interesting things to write stories to explore without marginalizing groups that are already marginalized. Right. So, so in, in so, so many horror movies, the people of color are some of the first to get killed. For example, you know, again, that's that's uh, super insulting and, and plays into this idea of you know who's important, who's significant. Right. Who deserves, Who deserves to live? We'll make it through, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the real bunny beast. I'm sorry. I... I think I think there is a ten year moratorium on, at most on certain movies, and if you have not seen the nineteen sixties Night of the Living Dead, I love the recent release of Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. I love, I love, I think I've got my copy down here as well. Um, the, I loved how they gave instructions for exploring the core themes of various horror aspects of it and also very explicitly stating for the people running tabletop RPGs, that there's a difference between what scares a character and what scares your players. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now that I actually did participate in. I did several. Um, I was co-DM um, and played many of the NPC characters, including Irina. Um, yes, very entertaining. So, yeah, so we, we did uh, quite a bit of this Curse of Strahd campaign until... Um, we were kind of foiled because of, well, we had, we had our bubbles, right? And then we were foiled and those bubbles got tightened. And so there were players who couldn't participate and be in our home anymore thanks to COVID at the time. And so that, unfortunately, came to an end at the time. Much to our main DM's sorrow. Yes. Boo. And still very sad about it. <laughs> so, Yeah. 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 
Right. No, no. There's so many. There's so many aspects of it, and I, I, one of the things I loved about how they did it one is they uh, they you know my own personal biases they expanded uh, past the idea of the insanity table and talked about uh, talked about environmental stressors and how that can contribute to perceptions of horrors or misperceptions, et cetera. And they went through uh, different genres and talked about the core elements of it, such as body horror, the loss of control, loss of autonomy, loss of self, et cetera, that sort of thing. Um, they did a really good job with that. Um, Mitra, what did you, what, did, what games did you think? Oh, well, we, we talked, talked about 10 Candles. Oh. Mm-hmm. Ten candles. But oh the ten candles, candles, the problem with ten candles is unremitting despair. Whereas I feel like, you know, depending on how your DM runs it, you know, a strike campaign can have moments of profound despair and also uh, moments of, of real hope. And there's so much freedom for the characters to make choices through the campaign. And I think that really brings the story to life in different ways. And there's so much uh, that, that can be really. Uh, exciting and also fun and help um, the party really connect so that you've got characters really growing uh, and their motivations developing more fully through the story. Um, Ten Candles is like two and a half to three hours of um, engaging in loss of hope and an increase in despair. Now, I think there is something powerful about people wanting to engage in that. And I know there's there's a number of people, uh, my lovely spouse included, who really enjoy engaging in these much, shall we say, darker game environments um, that I find difficult and will participate in with him. But like, so I think that that's, there's a draw. So what do you, I mean, we've talked a little bit about how Ten Candles works and it's a depressing RPG. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I mean, the whole point is, you know, your char- you know, you know, all the characters are going to meet a grisly end. But right. there's also an exp- exploration of meaning within it mm-hmm. that you know there's there there's exploration of meaning against the inevitable, and there's just substantial existential themes within that. Mm-hmm. And I think there's there's something worthy in that. And if that's if that's your jam, cool. Mm-hmm. Me personally, and Mitra and I are of a very similar mindset on this. I got enough horror going on IRL that i'm good i'm real good um <laughs> are, are <laughs> cannot can kick your mother, right? Okay. Mm. 
I, I do, do actually. I, I think, think one of the central reasons we enjoy horror, and we talked a little bit about the control, um, that it is a controlled experience that we can stop when we want. So whenever we engage in play, which allows us to experiment and explore and have fun, and when we can play with things that are scary for us, right, I think that that helps reinforce our ability to stay grounded through difficult or traumatic events, not actual trauma, but when we explore this, it gives us a sense of our resilience. Mm -hmm. And in a world, the real world, which is uncertain, and where things do and can happen, to have those moments of experiencing resilience and play and fun with material that would otherwise be scary can feel really great. And I think that's at the center of why some people really like to be scared. It's a physiological response, but in a way that's safe. Yeah. It's yeah. It it the tri it's empowering to be able to triumph over that level of adversity. And we've right. talked about that in the past with uh, with other forms of play. It's uh, it's it's resilience rehearsal. Right. Oh yeah, let's talk to the chat. Wait, there's other people here. I told you a personal story. <laughs> You and me, Garowar, you and me, we're going on the roller coaster together because you and me are going to be sitting at the front doing the exact same thing, just cackling. I scream. Quite loud. No, no. Laughter. <laughs> okay, okay, good, good for, for you. you. I, I scream, scream and feel vaguely nauseous, nauseous. <laughs> but, but I enjoy them anyway. anyway. Ooh, that's, that's different. different. <laughs> so you're going to be sitting in front of Garawar and me, and we're going to be watching you threaten to punch the punch the restraints. <laughs> and me in the back with, with my, my blood curdling screams. Should be good. She's good. She's good. Mitra, you still good? Still screaming? Got it. Oh yeah. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, in some question. ways, yes, because we can feel overwhelmed and also um, not quite up to coping with certain mm -hmm. things. I mean, I definitely remember in my distant youth, more distant than I'd care to say, um, having a lot of trouble with paperwork and issues related to money, primarily because I didn't have a lot. And I knew that I was, there were some student loan things and some other stuff, and I really needed to kind of deal with them. And every time I thought about dealing with them, I was exhausted. I just kind of wanted to, um, kind of wanted to just uh, curl up under the covers and not cool. So I do see that quite a bit, actually, mm -hmm. in, in my work with people. Mm-hmm.
See, that's presumptive on yeah. your part that I will stop being scared at that point because, uh, yeah, I'm going to. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Yep. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -mm, not mm -mm. everyone. Not, not everyone moves, moves into, into acceptance. acceptance. Nope. Yeah. Nope. I will yeah. move into unconsciousness. Yeah. yeah. Our, Our capacity to cope is going to be different based on the fear we are facing, and so some people uh, will kind of rise to it, I guess. Um, depending, depending on the environment that they're in, what they have to cope with, and others won't. And that mm -hmm. going into freeze is not failing to cope. Like, I really want to stress this because I think yes. we have this idea that if you're in a free state, it means you're doing nothing and you failed. Um, if you look at a cat and a mouse, a cornered mouse will go into freeze, which floods its body with anesthetic and allows it to cope with being eaten. Right? right, and, and if, if that, that cat should turn, turn its back for a second, we move right into flight again. again. So, so a free state is part of our survival mechanism, mechanism and it's, it's not a bad thing. It's just, just one, one of the three options, and depending on our situation, we can fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah, and that's yeah for a lot of us, it's that's just what happens, and there's only so much any one of us can handle. Hey, what's up? <laughs> We've only referenced you a gajillion times. Nice, nice to, to meet, meet you. Wow. <laughs> 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 I and it's a reflection of my own personal fears and that is uh loneliness uh that is abandonment that is um yeah, it is uh, the I am legend is a really good example. And that that level of isolation is. Yeah. And uh, Phoenix Fire mentioned the last man on Earth, the, the Burgess Meredith, um, that yeah. that level of isolation, that is that'll get me because I that will be haunting to me and I will not stop thinking about it. Mm -hmm. I, would I would agree, agree with, with that, that one. one. Absolutely. Abandonment is a huge one for me. Um, and the other one is possession. The idea of being possessed is utterly terrifying to me. Like, yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. So. Hello. Hello, Jib. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> we got the Jiblies. Jibli. So, so people can find me at Mitra Jordan on Twitter. They, they can, can reach out to me via my website. Um, I will respond. I will probably respond slowly. You may note that I don't post a ton on Twitter, but I'm there 
Um, and, and so, so yeah, I, I am, am findable, but, but not, not as findable, findable as this guy. guy. I, I, <laughs> I am around. Uh, you can find me on all social media at uh, the Doctor B. That's T H E E D O C T O R B as in boy. Uh, you can find me on the Twitters there, ranting about various things, including Dungeons and Dragons and so forth. Uh, thank, thank you, How to ADHD. Yes, I get around. Uh, now i'm gonna have tupac going through my head uh for the rest of the day uh but the uh additionally i will be doing uh my own stream later today just body doubling study sessions starting at four o'clock uh excuse me five o'clock pacific uh over on my twitch channel the dr b yeah <laughs> Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. <laughs>